I'm absolutely freezing and uh, it's not that cold outside, but the wind, uh, and I know we've had a nationwide storm, well aware of that, but the wind is gusting through our windows and I'm thinking about putting my dressing gown on despite having layers. Uh, but anyway, it's been, um, it's been a very busy week. So uh, without further ado, as they say, welcome to episode 176 of Mr. Bird Pods. the sirens just as I'm starting this always uh, an apt moment um now I've had um I've had a special request to do a uh, episode on socks which are obviously a very important part of uh, my life uh, and has been noticed by someone um I've actually got quite a lot to say this week so I might save socks for another time but we'll see how it goes uh yes it's been it has been quite a frantic week. I had a very disturbed lunchtime actually because I was trying to watch Richard Osman's House of Games and eat my scrambled eggs and uh, there was just this very loud conversation going on outside the window. Uh, it went on and on and I looked up and it was this man, uh, well it's two men, one on this side of the road with a, what do you call those cars, convertible with the roof down, a small car. I mean not the weather to have the roof down on a convertible really. Uh, shouting across at this other man on the other side of the road who looked really cowed um, and kept trying to move away and I couldn't know what they were saying, it was really annoying actually. Uh, he kept trying to move away and then sort of failed to and moved back and it went on for ages. And then uh, then another car, they stopped uh, and I think he drove, the man in the car drove off. And then another car drove off from parked outside the flat and then there was a delivery next door so I just didn't know where to put myself. I was up and down uh, like uh, Zebedee, uh, and uh, it spoiled Richard Osman's House of Games and my uh, scrambled eggs, that's all I'm saying. So um, it's been a normal morning. There is big news this week. Uh, I know some of you are on the edge of your seats uh, awaiting uh, this news. Um, what did I do? I got up and uh, I did yoga. Now, you see, the thing with Adrian is, and it's true of all yoga teachers, if you hear any words like playful, you know it's going to be an agonizing session. Um, I knew from past experience that, because she calls each of her 30 days journey of yoga, each day's got a different one word title. I knew if there's anything like move, uh, that suggests, you know, obviously you're always moving with yoga. That means agony. Uh, today, and I've learned this the hard way because she did another one called rest or something. Today it was ease and I nearly died trying to, um, it was, it was this really, well, she started out, it was all lovely, lying on your back and scanning your body and relaxing everything. The next thing, I'm doing that flipping scissor stuff with my legs up in the air. Um, my core absolutely killing me and then she's doing cross uh, knee up and opposite elbow over to that and then she did something else it was absolutely it was a nightmare uh, ease it was called uh, apart from that uh, yeah cause she did do one that was called center oh yeah center which I thought we were going to be centering ourselves and that was a flipping core one as well so I got through that and I'll be, my, I'm, I bet my stomach muscles will be hurting tomorrow 
And then um, I went for a run, which was blowy, to put, to put mildly. Um, I keep thinking of, I'm listening to, at the moment, uh, Richard Osman's, big fan of Richard Osman, the second book, The Man Who Died Twice. And there's a character called Joyce, who sometimes just gets words and phrases wrong. And she describes uh, somebody uh, having something that will put the wind between their legs, uh, meaning the bit between their teeth. Uh, and it makes me laugh. I keep thinking about it, especially with all this um, uh, stormy weather going on outside. Uh, it's just a perfect uh, expression. I might try and use it. Actually, I might try and drop it to the conversation with people. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I got blown around quite a lot in Ali Pali. Uh, I was running into the wind, of course, had to be. Uh, and then when I turned around and came back the same way uh, and would have had the wind at my back, um, uh, the wind dropped. So, um, but that was all right, actually. And I did it not massively quickly, but I did it quicker than last week, which was, uh, oh, I'm just looking at our bookcase. Uh, we've got a bookcase full of books and then we've got books on top of the bookcase, vertical books. And then we've got horizontal books piled on top of the vertical books that are on top of the bookcase that's full of books. Anyway, I don't know why that's caught my, uh, caught my eye. So, um, yeah, so that was that. And then, uh, did anything exciting happen? No, I had lunch. And then, I, yeah, well, I had a bit of a tumultuous lunch with the goings on outside. So the main big news is the kitchen's still in uh, darkness. We still have no light, bar the two table lights. Talking of which... Uh, we possibly, I, we, possibly, sounds like we're all we, I possibly have a new listener. Uh, welcome. Um, connection being electrics. I think they know who I'm talking about. Uh, they've started at work recently, and all I'm saying is ever since they started, there's been uh, things happening in the theatre that have never happened before. We've had flashing lights all over the stage. Uh, we've had uh, lights going on in the auditorium that won't go off. Uh, and we've had uh, emergency emergency exit lights going off. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'm just saying. There's no connection, I'm sure. So, um, where was I? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, so we're still struggling in the... It's very disconcerting, all this wind. Um, we're still struggling with no light, but the, the uh, builder, stroke electrician, is... Uh, is aware and it just needs to be in the area and then it'll come. So that's the first big news. Second big news is I've got a new job. Uh, I was going to go front of house on the next show in, in the same theatre, but uh, through a complicated way, which I'm not going into, I've been offered a job to another theatre, follow spot on a musical, uh, but it's an arty theatre, uh, and it's not uh, Mamma Mia, thank God. Uh, and that will take me to a week before the end of the next show in the theatre I work in, which I'm not working on. And thank God I'm not working on it, actually. I think I've missed a, dodged a bullet there. And um, just saying the word paint. And um, then, then I've got a week. And then I'm hoping the next show will be in a theatre as yet unknown and I'll get a job on that. And if not, there is a board op job going on the next show in the theatre I'm follow spotting in. So that's all exciting. Um, 
So that's sort of eight, nine weeks or eight weeks or something in another theatre doing a different uh, job. I haven't done Fuller Spotting for ages actually, but that's all right. Uh, so that's all good and I'm still job sharing with my friends so uh, it's worked out really well. And then, uh, so then the other big news is we went to see Rufus yesterday. Now Rufus is the cat that nobody wants. Uh, no one looks at twice. Uh, he's been in oh, 18 months, a year to 18 months. Uh, he's a stray basically that's been looked after in the ex-cattery now, animal sanctuary, cat sanctuary. Uh, so we went to visit him yesterday. Uh, you'll have to refer back to previous episodes for the details of the beginning of all this story. And um, he apparently had been cleaned up uh, because uh, the woman who uh, runs the place and has is offering us Rufus uh, had taken him to the vet because of the tumours that he had on his nose. He had basically a brown tumour uh, encrusted nose and the vet examined it and uh, then poked a bit and it fell off and it was dry food. So he's basically got a pink nose uh, that he covers with. Well, he has food anxiety, which is serious because he was a stray. So he has food anxiety. So he just desperately eats whenever he can. So uh, and then he just gets it all over his nose. So they'd smartened him up. They'd spruced him up for our visit, uh, cleaned his nose with uh, cotton wool. And then between them last seeing him and him being introduced to us, he stuck his head in another bowl of food, so he appeared, as you will see from anyone looking at my Instagram, we'll see in the pictures he's got brown nose, uh, not tumours from food. So uh, Rufus came and sat with the four of us, and um, what swayed me, uh, I think it's going to be a yes, we haven't fully decided, but I think it's pretty much a yes, I've got to give an answer today, is what she said about him was the reason she thinks no one likes him or wants him or looks at him twice is because he's had a hard little life and he's resigned himself to having a hard life so he doesn't push him so if you're visiting the strays and you know usually uh, and the ferals usually they'll either be uh meowing at you uh, you know at the cage entrance or they'll be cowering at the back or they'll be just making some sort of fuss. Rufus apparently is resigned to his sad little life and so just sits there and doesn't go for anyone's attention because he doesn't think he's going to be taken anywhere, but he's not being abused or anything. So he's not, um, he's quite happy with adults. He's been looked after uh, by a lady who fed him and then she took him off the street and gave him to another animal. Uh, rescue places passed it on to this one so um he was very happy with us uh got lots of strokes he gets a little bit antsy uh after a certain amount of stroking which uh she thinks is because he just gets a bit too comfortable and then a sort of an instinctive protection kicks in and he'll because when they're comfortable they're, they're vulnerable so uh that'll probably go so he's a bit of a he can nip and claw a little bit but not not an aggressive way he's a bit he looks all right but he's actually quite thin if you feel him he's you very much feel his spine so we're going to take uh see i'm talking about 
guessing him, obviously we're going to guess him, um, to the vet to get his blood stuck. He needs his inoculations. Uh, he's been neutered, as I think some of you know. And um, he needs his inoculations. So we'll go over to another De Laval. A De Laval van has just pulled up outside the house. Don't know what that is. Uh, so we'll get his blood done just in case there's anything wrong. And it has been said that if there were to be anything wrong, uh, if he had something like six months or something to live, he's probably about eight or nine. Um, we just give him a happy six or eight last months, or whatever to live. So um, I think I don't know why we're even debating it. Obviously, we're going to get him. Um, yeah, when the Deval van's just driven off, that was exciting. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's Rufus. Uh, he purred a little bit when we were with him, uh, which he doesn't do very much. And basically, she said that he's um, the attention he got from the four of us sitting there was like the first time he'd ever just had attention on him. Because obviously, when you're with all the other cats in the cattery, uh, there's obviously somebody else trying to get your attention in the next cage. He just had like quarter of an hour, 20 minutes of us with him, having full attention from us and was obviously really happy. So um, it's sort of a bit sad actually, isn't it? I can't think about all this too much because it just makes me really sad. So I think, I think basically Rufus needs a, a good home. Um, obviously our past cats will uh, would testify to the terrible lives that they've had here. It was noticed by the one at the cattery actually that uh, we've had f three mad cats and uh, obviously I said well, Rufus no doubt in a year's time will be mad as a hatter and um, it was thrown back that the com what was the com common denominator uh, the people owning the cats and not the person giving the cats to them. I don't know what was meant by that, actually. So, um, yeah, so I think probably uh, he'll be here in a couple of weeks <laughs> with his little brown nose. So we just got to watch him. She said he'll jump, jump up onto kitchen counters. Uh, we've got to watch food and stuff. Uh, we've got to watch the nips and just make sure he's healthy, uh, which I knew the vet can do. So, um, yes, yeah, so I think a lot of you are going to be very happy. Uh, now, talking of animals, uh, I'm just putting this out there uh, because I am. Um, I have uh, uh, I have an acquaintance who has a beautiful, beautiful dog. Um, it's a long story that I'm not going to go into, but basically he is one of the best dogs in the world ever. And uh, he's... He was a rescue. I think he was from Romania. His back legs have both given up due to a joint problem, uh, which apparently is quite common in dogs. And he's got to have an operation individually on each leg. Uh, and it's going to cost a lot of money. And the owner hasn't got the money because uh, the insurance uh, won't pay the full amount. They'll pay a fraction of it. Um, it's thousands, obviously, because that's what vet bills are. That's, you know, it is what it is in that sense. Uh, I just, I'm putting it out there in case anyone's got any ideas about uh, how it could be funded. Uh, thinking about possibility of doing a GoFundMe uh, or similar, uh, which is a strong possibility. But um, 
he is uh he lives with his owner he's his owner's life he is the most gorgeous dog and um it's terribly sad so i'm not dwelling too much on it but uh, i'm just putting it out there in case anyone uh, has any ideas or suggestions uh yep yeah, so there we go um so i've done the job i've done the cat um in other news what did i do last week uh oh tuesday i was quite social actually i went to see a friend a devoted listener to mr Burt pods uh who's managed to possibly break their ankle but we don't didn't know 100 that it was a broken ankle at that point i need to follow that up actually or they can tell me um i haven't seen them for ages so that was lovely and um they had a boot i didn't get a boot when i broke my ankle i got uh, a cast and sticks because i uh broke my ankle ages ago a long long time ago doing extreme shopping in uh regent street when i slipped coming out of a shop and then uh, i was looking for a pair of new boots uh, hence the fact i slipped because the old boots were um old and then i walked around on it for about another hour uh, bought a new pair of boots uh, and then the next morning uh, my leg was in a bit of a state and someone had to drive me to a and e so um yeah i don't know whether i've just got a pain high pain threshold or if i'm just stubborn i think if it hasn't crossed your mind you've broken your ankle then you're not gonna behave as if you've broken your ankle that's all i can think anyway so that's that's putting it all on me when it should be on them so um i'm hoping things are getting better there and then in the evening i went to the writing salon which is the group of uh the group through which i get my short stories published so third short story is going ahead uh, i can now officially say i've signed the contract uh, and that should be being published in the third anthology this year later this year i've got to get the um i've got to edit edit and uh, get the uh cover artwork sorted um so uh, details of the two previous anthologies if you haven't bought them with my stories in are on this website um uh friday oh he said a fun little man around uh one day this week i knocked there was a knock on the door and i went downstairs all ready to um uh go on the defensive and get rid of whoever was there anyway it turned out it was a man from ipsos mori doing uh asking people if they would do a radio a live radio listening diary because ipsos mori are doing work on behalf of an organization i can't remember what it's called radar or something who basically study uh numbers of people who listen to live radio so that's not podcasts or catch up um uh, I didn't feel sorry for him, but I mean, he was so cold. He had like fingerless gloves on. He looked a little bit shabby. He had this battered um, suitcase with him, you know, trolley suitcase thing he was dragging around. And he had this battered laptop. Um, and he did say at one point, not not in a self-pitying way, but he said, if you don't finish the diary and submit it, I don't get paid. And I thought, oh, goodness sake, what a job. Um, but I did feel sorry for him. Um Oh, two people going past. I haven't seen anybody go past. Uh, no, three people. They're walking down the middle of the road with a dog. Why do people walk down the middle of the road? I've never understood that. 
I actually know who they are, I just didn't know they had a dog, so that's quite interesting. And I'm not quite sure which house they live in, so I'm going to have to keep a keen eye out to see which house they go in. Um, uh, I don't know where those people have gone, actually, I'm really annoyed now, because they've just disappeared. Anyway, um, then, yeah, no, I think that's on the news, actually. Uh, indeed it is. So, um, television, uh, still going through The Amazing Mrs. Maisel, that's going to take a while, still loving every episode. Uh, Slow Horses, fantastic. Um, and I've started reading, oh, I've finished The Unfolding by Aham Holmes. I said that in a really odd way. A.M. Holmes, um, which is, I think I've said before, a dissection of uh, the beginning of Obama, uh, written as a sort of black comedy, uh, centering around a very, very rich family who donate lots of money to the Republican uh, Party. Uh, it's very good. Actually, it's very, very good. And then I've just started, and the man in Waterstones went overboard about how marvellous it is, a book called A Gentleman in Moscow, which I haven't seen before, but apparently was a massive hit by a man American called Amor Towles, um, who used to be a banker, um, and it's going to be made into a TV series. Uh, so that's what caught me, because I thought, I, I always watch TV series this is about books, and then I never read the book. I thought, I'll read the book first. Absolutely loving it. It's a beautiful book. Um, yeah, basically set in 1922, I think, in Moscow and just after the revolution. And this uh, aristocrat uh, has been punished for being an aristocrat, basically by the Bolsheviks, uh, by being told he's got to stay in the hotel that he's been living in. And if he leaves the hotel, they'll shoot him. So he's basically spending his life in this hotel. Um, so it's actually a very easy location film uh, book to film. Uh, it's just beautiful. But I will talk about that another time. It's just a real, really un, just unexpected. I do love an unexpected book. I have to admit, I picked it up because I thought it was a spy thriller, and it absolutely isn't at all. So that's that. And then uh, we're off to the cinema today. I think we're either going to see one day the Anthony Hopkins film about the uh, man who got the children out of Nazi Germany, or the holdovers which is the alexander payne film which i don't know any much about but i do like alexander payne's films so that's quite exciting it was very exciting it's a bit crazy going to the cinema on a monday we might be going mad at going to the four o'clock showing i mean you know life on the edge so on that giddy note uh, thank you for listening <laughs>